Hello and welcome to Policy Voices by Friends of Europe, an independent think tank with a difference. Each week from Brussels, we bring you powerful conversations with policy voices from around the world. Policy Voices talking policy choices. I hear at the European Union that they tend to think that in Mercosur that we are trying not to implement our environmental obligations, but it's not the case. We both share the values regarding the environmental concerns. In the case of Mercosur, and particularly in the case of Argentina, what we don't want is that uh, the environmental concerns are put above the trade agreement. There's political will in both sides of the Atlantic that we can achieve a, a deal. Attilio Berardi, the Argentinian ambassador to the European Union, had high hopes that the EU-Mercosur agreement could be finalized still in 2023. When we spoke in the beginning of the month, negotiations still seemed promising but have since turned sour. A new government was installed in Argentina on Sunday with the far-right politician Javier Milei inaugurated as the country's new president. On the side of the Atlantic, Dombrovskis, the U-Trade chief, signaled that Brussels will push ahead on the agreement with Mercosur despite French opposition. I'm Caterina Villanova and today on Policy Voices I bring you an interview with Atilio Berardi, the Argentinian ambassador to the EU. Argentina is celebrating four decades of uninterrupted democracy at the same time it elected a far-right politician as president. How will the new government impact the relations with the EU? And what impact did the dire economic situation of Argentina have on the final electoral results? These were some of the questions I asked the ambassador. Stay on that side to hear what he had to say. Ambassador, welcome to Policy Voices. Thank you very much for accepting our invitation. How are you this afternoon? Very well, thank you very much. And I'm really pleased that uh, you are coming to, to the embassy. I'm pleased to, to join you. We are talking today on a rather happy occasion. Your country celebrating four decades of, uh, of democracy. How hard was this path to trail? 2023 was the 10th presidential election since the return of our democracy in 1983. So uh, for us, uh, it's a milestone, I, I would say, very important milestone, because uh, it was the largest period in our history uh, in which uh, we have have a, a, a democracy. Um, um, we have lived behind all past uh, instability or other type of, of regimes. And I say um, it's important for us because now there are new generations have been born and now are voting. And for them, democracy is not um, something that uh, should be achieved. It's a must. Not, not a shoot. It's something that uh, is part of our daily life. Um, Argentina has a, a deep-rooted democracy nowadays, and I think part of the time is a, a clear a path on where we we are moving forward. Um, as you say, as a, you know, Argentina had a unique policy of human rights reparations and military trials. Uh, for crimes against humanity uh, that was done in 1983 and subsequent years. Uh, and since then, I would say that some values like freedom, democracy, human rights, 
uh, freedom of religion, gender equality, among others, are getting part of our reality. I would say I don't know uh, something that uh, we feel strange or that we we need to uh, uh, import. It's part of daily basis. Uh, public agenda in Argentina. Nowadays, it's impossible or unthinkable to to return to other type of system. However, because it's been uh, four decades of uh, uninterrupted democracy, which is uh, without a doubt uh, something to to celebrate, uh, there's been the new, the younger generations don't only know the system, they only know how to live in democracy. Do you think that they have been taking this for granted, the system of rule of laws and of living in a democracy system? Well, I think, of course, they, they are taking it for granted, but because uh, the reality is that probably, as I told you, it's not something that they consider should or an object to get. It's a must. It's part of their reality. They, they are not only born... Uh, I would say in a political democracy, but uh, we have a very extended democratic society and Argentina has a, a very progressive uh, legislation regarding human rights, gender equality, and uh, for example, last week, I'm sorry, last, last year uh, we had the presidency of the Human Rights Councils of the United Nations and all the younger generations, they feel and they think that democracy should be a part of their uh, political participation. And also, for example, in Argentina, the younger generations, uh, 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 teenagers, I would say, that have 16 year old, they are also, uh, they, they can also uh, vote to the, in the general election. That's something we have had many advancements in, in human rights protection and promotion, not only protection, for example, uh, regarding same-sex same mar same marriage. We were the first country in Latin America to do so, uh, or, or regarding the uh, gender equality or gender equality participation within uh, politics. Uh, I think uh, we also have a, a wide respect to institutions like uh, the parliament or the judiciary system. Of course, it's something that shouldn't be taken for granted, but it's part of uh, their daily base uh, reality, I would say. They, they don't conceive or they don't find another way of moving within the political realm, I would say. And are you concerned that all this hard work of building up Argentina's democracy will now be, in the very least, be put into question. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you already knew what I was hinting with my previous question, with the election of uh, Javier Millet um, as the next president of Argentina. Um, specifically, for example, on the issue of abortion, he has already said publicly that he would like to ban abortion, which um, only three years ago has been made legal in your country. So are you concerned that all this effort from the past four decades will be put into question? Well, I don't think they, they are put into question because uh, it's part of the political debate, right, regarding abortion, and it was something that, for example, in particularly in, in this issue, that was a widely debated within within the political system and within the society. And I think it's part of every democratic process to have different 
opinions in in some of these uh, particular issues. Uh, you know that, for example, you can follow the same pattern of of discussion. Uh, uh, for example, I was living in in the U.S. when uh, the abortion was uh, advanced in, by the Supreme Court. Um, there was a huge debate, and no one thinks that for debating um, one particular issue, uh, the democracy is at risk. And I think it's also part of the democratic life. Sometimes uh, you have to sit on the table with people that don't think the same as 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 you, and it's part of the political process that if you have an idea to move forward in one direction or, or in another, uh, you should do it by the parliamentary means, by discussing within uh, the legislators, in particularly uh, in, in this issue, it was something that was widely debated in, in Argentina and I think also in other countries, right, that are moving from one place to another. And I, I feel that uh, it's an issue that have, uh, I'll say, very strong feelings for the people that are, are debating from one side or another one. So it's not something that uh, can uh, put into jeopardy or can jeopardize uh, how uh, the democratic process is, is continued. But would you consider um, a democratic backsliding if abortion would be banned or deemed inconstitutional or illegal in Argentina? Well, Regardless of the of debate and difference of opinions, which I'm, I will not argue that, of course, it is one of the foundations of a healthy democracy, but if the abortion would be, would go back to be illegal in your country, would you consider this a democratic backsliding? Well, you know, it's it's very difficult to say so, particularly because uh, I, I don't want to, uh, to advance on this debate because it's something that is, is currently being treated in, in Argentina and there are there are different opinions right so as as a representative of Argentina I cannot I mean my opinion is secondary in this case my personal opinion of course I have it but uh, I I think it's it's not uh, important what I think personally but how the process is developed and sometimes you know uh, it's very difficult to answer a question with that start with if if something happened, what would you think? Because uh, what I, I would really think is that if the legislation moved to another uh, perspective or continues in, in the same one, if it's, the process is clear and all the actors have intervened, and, for example, there's a, 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 a new law that is passed through parliamentary means and is promulgated by the executive power, I think uh, the important uh, thing in in, in 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 this situation is to consider the process. If the process is legitimate, is done by representatives elected by the people, well, uh, everyone, no matter what opinion they have, they have to respect that. But uh, as as I was telling you at, at the beginning, I think particularly there are some issues that are highly confrontational in not only in Argentina but all over the world and and one of these issues is is abortion right because you have a very extreme postures and it's very difficult to get to a compromise and find a middle ground between 
in, in which uh, the the legislation can can advance but uh, i think that uh, what is important and and just to focus on on that is that a uh, a uh, in in a democratic process uh, all the opinions should be heard and should be taken into consideration and the one who has the majority uh, within particularly passing new law have to respect the minorities and it's a, and there are many uh, uh, sensitive issues that, that should be uh, debated and it's a sign of strength of a democracy to have this debate. So let me ask you the question another way. Would you then say that when abortion was uh, legalized in Argentina, was that a victory of democracy then? I would say that no matter where the legislation moved forwards to one place or to another, and particularly, I, I don't want to express my personal opinion because I, I, I just want to be fair and, uh, and in, in an issue in which um, I would say that if it was approved by the majority of uh, the Congress, it's something that we should all live with and we should all uh, follow and respect. And of course, uh, uh, in, in this for example, in the abortion law, it was something highly debated. And I, I don't remember particularly one issue that was as, I would say, as a strongly considered or a, in which the opinions were so different that in the case of abortion, um, there were march. I was uh, in, in Argentina living at, at that time. There was march of people that uh, had, were in favor of abortion and people that was against uh, uh, abortion. So it was, I would say, very highly sensitive uh, political issue that was uh, debated, and not only in the parliament. It was debated within the society, uh, uh, between friends, because uh, um, I, I would say and, and something that uh, was a clear mark, I would say, of the democratic strength, that it wasn't a, a political issue that divide, that was clearly divided between political parties. Because within the same parties, there were uh, some politicians that voted in favor of some politicians that voted against abortion. So it was something... Uh, we use the word that, that a transversal, I would say, something that no matter where you stand in the political spectrum, in the right, in the left, uh, there were voices heard in one sense or in the other one. So uh, I think it, it was a, what is clear is that it was something very strongly debated for the society in Argentina. Of course, there's been uh, a huge advancement of democracy in the past 40 years. This is why we're here today talking mm -hmm. about. And uh, personally, yes, I would classify the legalization of abortion as one of the big victories of democracy in your country. However, in stark contrast is the situation of the economy in your country that has been in a deep economic crisis. Inflation is uh, slated to be at 200% this year. 
was it finally the discontent of your people that, uh, because of the economic crisis, that uh, resulted in the election of Millet? Well, I think there there are many issues that uh, the, the analyst uh, can can consider that move the elections in one sense or in in the other. Of course, the the economic situation nowadays is if we're going in a, a deep economic crisis. And I think it is something that was taken into consideration, of course, when the election has taken place. But there are many other issues, you know, as, as in every country, when you vote, you not only vote because of economic uh, perspective, but also there, there were a lot of things and the division in, in which uh, both candidates, or I think not only both candidates, the other candidates of the political spectrum. So you don't think that the economy, the economic situation in the country, was was it not the main, uh, the principal concern of elect, well, uh, the electorate this year? Well, probably yes. No, probably yes. Probably the economy, well, the economy was was a, a key factor, I'm sure. But what I was trying to tell you is that also there were other issues, other things. Such as? Could you name a few? Well, I would say, for example, there, there were a different perspective in security, how to manage security. Uh, the, in the first term, there were different views regarding the political, uh, the political situation in Argentina, what to do and how to manage the international agenda of, of the country. I think they express different paths to, to develop a the, all the political system, I would say, not only the ones, the two candidates that remain for, for the ballot, but also um, in the in the first term, uh, we had candidates from the left, from the center, and at, at least five tendencies or five candidates that were, had a clear chance of of getting to to the presidency. So they, they expressed different, different views, but uh, I agree with you that in general the economic situation and how to move forward that situation was a clear, I would say, a, a, a clear division between the the, the political uh, candidates. Yeah. Uh, some of the pledges that Millet proposed as his campaign promises were just naming a few to abolish the central bank, to replace Argentina's currency with uh, American dollars. Uh, and of course, uh, the banning of abortion, which we already discussed, because as you strengthened already, uh, Argentina is a is a democracy. How realistic are these are these proposals to be um, to be achieved? Specifically, the ones more on the economic side, so abolishing the central bank, replacing the Argentina currency with the uh, U.S. dollars. Well, I think the the, the new government hasn't yet yet assumed so. Uh, we have to wait and see what agenda they, they will forward. So it's difficult to say. I mean, I, I'm not an economist <laughs> just to uh, comment particularly on, on many of the, uh, of the pledges or, or the political agenda of the new government since they haven't yet started to their, their administration, right? But I would say that some of these issues uh, were clear uh, points in which uh, 
the society had different menus within the, the electoral uh, system or all the political spectrum, and they choose uh, to vote the uh, current elected president to move forward some of this agenda. But uh, nowadays, it's it's difficult to know uh, how it's going to be because, as, as you know, the elections were, were held a few weeks ago, and now uh, in the same day, uh, uh, the result was recognized by by the defeated candidates. And uh, as soon as the president-elect started to announce his future work team, they started the transition process. And we are nowadays within that transition process. So they haven't yet uh, said uh, or, or started to advance in their uh, political agenda, who say it would be. And we are all... Uh, waiting to see how this works, right? And uh, particularly, uh, as in, I would say, as in every presidential system in Argentina, it's clearly irrelevant. The main discourse that is done when the president assumes that it's going to be in a few days, the 10th of December, then, then we can see and start analyzing what uh, uh, the new president is starting to to propose as legislation or or new uh, reforms that they have, of course, announced it during the campaign that they, they were going to advance. There's been some parallels drawn between uh, Brazil's former president, Jair Bolsonaro, and the now president-elect of Argentina. And as you are well aware, and don't worry, I will not ask you to comment on the relations between the European Union and the other country besides your own. But as you know, during the tenure of Jair Bolsonaro as Brazilian president, the relationships with the EU uh, um, experienced some difficulties, to put it mildly. Are you worried that the same will happen now with the new president-elect? Do you think your job will be made more difficult with the new president coming into office? Well, you know, it's this type of comparison are, are really difficult to do so because uh, not only Argentina and Brazil are different countries. We we share many things. It's our main commercial part partner, and we have a very strong relationship between Argentina and Brazil. But uh, in 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 the international arena, we don't always vote uh, together. So there's a difference between the countries. And in this case, particularly, there are many, many differences uh, in the political system between Argentina and Brazil. So it would be very, very, I would say, audacious for me to comment on how uh, the, the relationship will move forward and comparing what happened between the European Union and Brazil a few years ago. That I would say. Just, just to be precise, it wasn't something between the European Union, right? It was probably a, a relationship between some European countries, but because you have to differentiate between the relationship between some countries and Argentina or Brazil or the European Union as uh, in general terms. But uh, I think it's 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 difficult just to, to compare the countries and. And the presidencies, because, and we are also in a different stage in the relationship uh, between Mercosur and and 
and European Union that it was a few years ago. Yeah. I wanted to, re to reserve the last questions and minutes of today's episode to discuss the um, agreement with Mercosur, you, your agreement with Mercosur. It's been announced a few days ago that Pedro Sanchez of Spain and Lula da Silva from Brazil might meet on the sidelines of COP taking place as we speak in Dubai. This is an agreement that was uh, agreed in principle four years ago mm -hmm. and now um, there's been some momento, perhaps since July, uh, to seal the deal until the end of this year. We are now, today is 1st of December, that's the day we are recording this episode. Do you believe there is enough momento to close the deal by the end of this year? Well, I think that nowadays we are, I, I completely agree with you, it's a, it's a very important momentum that has been, I would say there was a milestone, not only for the agreement, but also for the relationship between uh, Latin America and Europe that was the CELAC EU summit uh, during July, was held in July of this year, after eight years of absence of meeting at a high level. Uh, and I would say that they have been a clear uh, signs that there's political will in both sides of uh, the Atlantic, but uh, in South Atlantic and North Atlantic in, the, in this case, that uh, we we can achieve uh, a deal, but nowadays it's uh, as as you might know, it's on the table of the presidents, and they are the ones who have to to take the next step. I, as far as uh, I can see, and it's probably something that uh, I I haven't detected detected any kind of uh, of movement or or clear. A decision against the, the agreement. So I think we, we have a clear opportunity, not only because of a, a, that the agreement was was closed in principle in 2019, so many of the work have already been done, but also because there's political will in both sides of, of uh, in, in both blocks, I would say, to to move forward with disagreement, but probably when you pass this uh, uh, podcast, I think we should know by that time if it, it could be achieved or no. Exactly. The, the governments of Mercosur are meeting one week from today, which by the time our listeners are listening to this episode will have been four days. I'm sorry if this is confusing. Yeah. What do you expect will be announced or would have been announced? In the in Rio de Janeiro, when the governments of Mercosur meet yeah. on the seventh of December, what do you expect? Well, as as I was telling you at the beginning, and then when we move forward, sometimes uh, 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 the all questions that starts with uh, with if and what would happen, it's it's uh, I'll say it's a kind of uh, exercise that I, I prefer not to not to advance much because. Uh, we, we really don't know. We have to... But th there is no if. I have. My question was, what would you like to, to see announced? Well, but the, the if there is hidden, I think it's probably... <laughs> no, you didn't say it, but uh, it, it is that, that it is announced. Well, I think, uh, as I, I was, was telling you, nowadays there's a clear will, and it's expressed from all the relevant partners here in Europe and also... In, within Mercosur that uh, we have to move forward with with uh, the agreement. 
Of course, we have yet to see that when the leaders gather, what they decide, right? Uh, so far, I, I just can say that I, I perceive there's a clear will to to strengthen our relationship. And because I, 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 it's very clear what you say that um, the agreement was in principle closed in 2019, but previously of that, it was negotiated, I think, since, the, yes, the 2003, 2004, probably. Uh, I I think so. It's, it had been a very long process, and uh, I think it, it would be a, a, a very important step for both regions to have the agreement closed. We don't know if it would be uh, at the end of December or somewhere in the future, but I think that uh, both regions have invested so much in moving forward the agreements that um, uh, it, it is something that is going to happen, I, I hope, in the near future, but we really don't know. And one of the reasons why the, the deal has been so hard to finalize, um, one of the the topics that the U.S. has been pushing is uh, our additional environmental commitments that the U.S. is demanding on sustainability and deforestation. Uh, do you think that the Mercosur side is ready to accept this uh, additional commitment? Well, I think that's that's the key point which are is being nowadays negotiated, right? How to because it's not something. Sometimes uh, I hear few analysis here at, at the European Union that uh, they tend to think that uh, Mercosur doesn't accomplish or that we are trying not to implement uh, our environmental uh, obligations, but it's not the case. Sometimes uh, I, I really want to be very clear that we both share the values regarding the environmental concerns and uh, we uh, are key partners in moving our policies regarding uh, the implementation of the Paris Accords or or the the uh, multilateral uh, uh, agreements that that have been put in place and nowadays, particularly with the negotiations going on in Dubai with the COP28. So I think it's not part of one region that violates uh, the, environment, the environment and another regions that's trying to impose something. It's the way we tend to agree in the same values. And in, uh, in the case of Mercosur, we, and I would say particularly in the case of Argentina, what we don't want is that uh, the environmental concerns are put above the trade agreements, right? Because uh, as in every negotiation, uh, you have to take into consideration different perspectives. And also, I think that now we are reaching to a kind of consensus on how to move both a sector that are the trade perspective and the environmental perspective in a way that is convenient for both parties. But if, as you mentioned, uh, Argentina and Mercosur are aligned with the same values, including the environmental values, that should not, in principle, be an issue, no? 
Yes, I think I think yes, uh, but that's a that's an issue that uh, we we tend to we we have to put our our objectives and and our alignment within these values within a paper. Sometimes when when you have to negotiate a particularly text, there are uh, some kind of, of differences. But I think that, and I'm, I'm clearly positive that um, we, we can get to an agreement on that because hmm. uh, that's what has been negotiated in, in the last, uh, since February of this year, just to be in which uh, in the meeting, in the first meeting that we have in February of this year, that uh, we have been trying to get to a common ground on how to achieve the same values, but within an established framework. But I think and uh, we are really near to, to advancing, so we, we hope we can it can be done, for sure. Let's end the episode on a positive note, Ambassador. Thank you very much. You're more than welcome. Thank you. Thank you for staying on that side to listen to my interview with Attilio Berardi, the Argentinian Ambassador to the European Union. Next week, Luco Callaghan-White, Program Manager for Climate, Energy and Sustainability at Friends of Europe, speaks with Michaela Krishnan, partner at the McKinsey Global Institute, about the release of their report on an affordable, reliable and competitive path to net zero. As always, we would love to hear what you thought of today's episode. You can find Friends of Europe on social media and send us a message. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts to never miss an episode. I'm Katerina Villanova and I will be with you again next week. 